Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Best Friends Forever. Turn on Greg Tuffman's microphone, please! Welcome to the Fantasy Best Friends Forever. On a Monday, April 8th, Greg Sussman is here with me, but does not, <laughs> does not have any audio. And you hear the sweet sounds of Matt Modica giggling in the background. It is a Modica Monday, a very eventful Modica Monday. We got a lot to recap, a lot of fab to go over. A lot of Clint Frazier discussion, obviously, to go over. Is, 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 this, a, is that, this a bit? Is this a bit that you planned? I did not, because I, I clearly was not expecting to bring the show in. Yeah, Greg, yeah. how are you doing, buddy? I, I, I don't want to hit the open again. It, it, it's it's over. It's, it's, it's how over. you doing? How'd you sleep last night? How was your weekend? How was your WrestleMania weekend? Oh man, Saturday was a disaster, man. Saturday was a disaster. What was Saturday? So was the beer thing. Oh, so too much beer. Wrecked, wrecked Sussman. Oh my God, wrecked Sussmans. What does that mean? Meaning like my sister Judy and I. Oh no, I was Rob Sussman too. No, nah, no Rob oh, Sussman. Oh, right. No Rob Sussman. We were just all there. Uh, we we drank a lot. We ate a crap load of food. Then went back to the apartment and just passed out. Obviously, then woke up and just like ugh. So that was how I felt Saturday. So it was during the day that you got hammered and right. then went right home, took a nap, and then woke up. Exactly. So you like. Had a hangover all in one day? Exactly. That's a terrible feeling. It's, I've right? had that feeling. It's so bad. <laughs> so I took this nap, and then it was like 1.30 in the morning on Saturday. I was like, I, I don't, I'm not tired. I don't want to go to sleep. I feel gross. So I went to sleep, and I woke up, and showered. I felt a lot better. Uh, WrestleMania was your question. And my biggest, my, listen, I, I, I said it from the beginning. It's just really freaking long. Like, so Long. I think I fell asleep at one point during the, the Triple H match, probably. I like, dozed off a little bit. Um, it was long, man. Yeah, it's hard, so happy. hard to stay up that late when How, you're you 60 th- years old. Did you talk to Johnny? Uh, yeah. What he, do you think? He really enjoyed it. Really? Which I found very... It seems strange. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't feel the same. I, I, didn't, I didn't feel that way. I was, I was reading online, obviously went on Reddit to get the thoughts of everyone else. A lot of people enjoyed the show, WrestleMania. Had some cool moments. Mainly Kofi. For the most part, Mainly very Kofi. forgettable, in my opinion, Greg. A lot of people say, oh, it's the, it's the best mania in the past 10 years. Um, I don't agree with that. Yeah, I'm not really getting it. People are really excited about who won the matches, but the matches themselves were not good. Yeah. They just weren't. The Kofi match was fantastic. Especially after watching NXT on Friday, and then uh, I went to ROH uh, on Japan and ROH on Saturday. Phenomenal show. So, yeah, to me, it doesn't even compare. But there you go. I agree, man. Um... I agree. It was. It was just. It was. Did not compare to what I saw Friday night, where I was like literally. I texted you, running around my apartment, freaking out because it was that awesome. 
I didn't get off the couch once besides to eat some ice cream. That was it. <laughs> yeah, I can't disagree. Can't disagree with any of that. Matt, Modica, do you have any thoughts on this? Uh, absolutely not. All right. Just thought I'd ask. It's Matt Modica, by the way. He's at CCM Baseball. With us every Monday for Modica Monday. Matty Mo, how was your weekend? Oh, yeah, no, it was really good. The, you know, Saturday and Sunday, the weather was uh, beautiful. Last night, you know, I got I got my Clint Frazier share, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, so that's exactly where I want to start. We like to go over waivers on Monday, see how uh, see how much people went for, um, and figure out what the high bid was, what was right, what was wrong. And we realized, Frank, that the number one guys we were talking about was Clint, was Clint Frazier. And that was the guy that was going to make the most money. And you asked me uh, early in the day Sunday, how much do you want to spend? My first number was, was what, like 172 or something along those yeah. lines, right? 172. And I, I know you and Florida were a little taken back by that number. You're like, oh, it was a little high. What did we ultimately wind up bidding? 143. 143, okay. Something around there, yeah. Matt, how much did you bid? How much did you get him? What was your plan when it came to Clint Frazier? Uh, I acquired him in eight of 11 leagues. Uh, the bid was... Between fifteen and twenty five percent, so like between one fifty ish to uh, two forty nine, and the reasoning being is, look, I think the guy does have a path to playing time. Can it fail? Absolutely. Can it be a home run? That's a possibility. But I really do believe that even when Hicks comes back, if and when you know he's already gotten a couple of cornerstone shots, Stanton's a DH. The roadblock is Brett Gardner. And I think Brett Gardner at this point in his career is more of a role player than an everyday. Yeah, and, and that's what I was talking to Frank about. Obviously, it was called the homer, and that's fine. But I no, thought... I, the, I agreed with you, though. I know you did. You just called me the homer anyway. You're also homer. I don't think it was me. I don't think that was me who did that. I didn't oh, no? Florida. I thought it was you. I uh, am not a homer. Probably. No, you're certainly not a homer, Clint Frazier. <laughs> but, you know, the, the thought is that the Yankees would want him to run away with this job. That if he hits, he's not going to leave the lineup. And I, and I actually believe that. You're right. Brett Gardner is an overpaid fourth outfielder, and that's fine. He shouldn't be leading off every day. He shouldn't be playing uh, in the outfield every day. And right now when Aaron Hicks is hurt, it's one thing. But if Frazier continues to hit, he's not going to leave this lineup. He's ready. They're not going to send him back down. They're not going to sit him on the bench. They're going to want him to play. And even if, it's, even if it is to ultimately trade him, they're going to want him to play. Mm-hmm. And we saw over the weekend, hitting three home runs over the weekend. like All off of uh, breaking balls from what I see on uh, baseball savant. He, he looks ready. He does. Yeah. And those were some Small wicked, sample size. And those right. were wicked swings, too. Uh, if you watch him play, you know the, the lightning quick bat speed that he possesses. He had four hits yesterday, uh, three homers over the weekend, seven RBIs over the past two games as well. Again, we said this about the Yankees early on in the season, and then obviously they hit that lull because everyone got hurt, but it doesn't really matter where you hit in this lineup. It's a really deep lineup, mm-hmm. and there's going to be a lot of RBI opportunities that present themselves. And, you know, I see a lot of people early today, late last night, talking about Clint Frazier on Twitter. Was he worth the fab? Uh, and it seems really split, so that's why I put the poll out today regarding Clint Frazier uh, with three options. How do you feel about Clint Frazier moving forward as of now? If he hits, he'll play. He becomes a platoon player or he's not worth the fab. And as of now, only 36 votes, but 61% say if he hits, he'll play. And I also am in that camp that, you know, if he's performing, they're not going to let Brett Gardner get in the way of uh, Clint Frazier playing every single day. He, you know, he's been a prospect for a while now. They clearly want him to be in the lineup. And yeah, again, even if it's just to shop him, 
and they end yep. up trading him away. Mm-hmm. He'll probably get an opportunity to play somewhere every day, somewhere else too. Obviously, the Yankees are one of the best environments to be in with this lineup it, and, and that ballpark. But here's my uh, here's my question, real quick. I mean, like if Clint Frazier came up in a, in a month or two and had a guaranteed clear path, what was he going to go for? I mean, this is what you're looking for. You're looking for a toolsy player with power speed combo on a really good team, even with injuries. But, you know, from what I'm hearing, Stanton's not far off. And you saw what Gary Sanchez does. Uh, you still got Aaron Judge in there. In that division with uh, hitter-friendly ballparks, and the only team you're really worried about the rotation is the Tampa Rays. So for me, you know, it, like I said, it could turn out to be an epic fail. I could be wrong. But what are you saving your money for if you're not going to bid on a player like this? That's exactly right, because you'll end up bidding on a player like this later on in the season anyway, a young prospect who comes up. Last year, it was Juan Soto, right? Absolutely. It's not that mm-hmm. Clint Frazier is uh, definitely going to have a Juan Soto-like effect, but he's up this early in the season. We still have, you know, five, six months ahead of us to play where if he sticks in the lineup... Who's to say that he can't hit 25 home runs or whatever it might be in Yankee Stadium? So I'm actually closer to where Modica is at on this. Uh, he won him in our main event for $249. I was the next closest bid, the runner-up, at $147. Not going to lie, pretty salty about this one because I drafted Clint Frazier in the main event in round 30, but I dropped him because before the season started, you didn't see a patch of playing time right away. Uh, you, you know, he wasn't going to be up. He was starting the year in the minor leagues. And, you know, all the injuries happen and he comes back up. So I drop him. It sucks. I'm definitely salty about it. If it was going to go to anybody, I'm happy it was Modica. <laughs> I was the next closest bid. But, uh, unfortunately, it does suck that I gave up on him a little bit early here. Greg. You know, it's... Would you have done the same thing? I... I... <sighs> Man, it probably you need, you need the roster spot. You need the roster spot. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. And it, it's interesting because I was going to bring up to you on, on the air the, uh, the Jesus Lazardo question: if you're holding him and how long you're holding him, because we haven't really seen an update on him at all. And I'll, I'll do that in a moment. But Matt, you've always been a proponent, and two things that always stick in my mind when we talk to you about Fab in particular, and that was one: you would like to address it in the draft because if not, you're chasing closers all year when it comes to your fab. You've always said that. We've talked about that a lot on the show. And the second thing is to use your money now and early because you can get the biggest return on your investment in April. Mm-hmm. You have a guy with the town of Clint Frazier and you just brought him up, Frank, comparing it to the Juan Soto effect. Uh, maybe not as great as Juan Soto, but potentially you're getting him early. And Matt, you've always said be aggressive early because now a guy can help you for six months rather than taking on a, guy, a chance on a guy that's going to help you for two weeks. Yeah, no, look, I, I think you have to play that out. Look, you don't want to bid foolishly and stuff. Like, I think Alex Verdugo is a hell of a player. And if he was given, you know, uh, a clear path, I think he could do some really nice things. But that, you know, Dodgers outfield right now is really crowded. And I think he went for, like, one of the highest bids of the weekend. So, you know, y- y- you can't just sit back. I mean, if you're just going to go bidding $250 on, say, a Taylor Rogers like last week, that's, you know, that put you in a hole. You really couldn't bid on Clint Frazier this week. In the one league that I saw him available in uh, one of my main events, the one we did on Sunday <clears throat> with Andy Saxton, uh, somebody dropped Kyle Tucker last week. Kyle Tucker is my AL Rookie of the Year. He's still in the minor leagues. I told Andy earlier in the week, I want to be aggressive. We got him for 159. The runner-up bid was 151. I have no regrets because two years ago after week two, 
Cody Bellinger, a guy who I saw in the AFL and all that, was dropped by somebody, came available. I bid like $99 or something in the 90s. I didn't go over 100 and I lost out. And I'm like, that will not happen again. So I'm even stashing a guy like Tucker, who I believe will be the AL Rookie of the Year. Yeah, and I can't, I can't knock you for that. And regarding Alex Verdugo, look, all the, guy, all the guy has done has hit when he's given an opportunity to play, Greg, but he's only started two games on the season. And that's the issue. What's so frustrating about Alex Verdugo. Yeah, people have asked, do we pick up Alex Verdugo? What do we do about Verdugo? And I always say, Modica loves Verdugo, but he's not playing. He's not helping you. And that's yeah, a major, major tough. issue right now. But in, in a deeper league, in a 15-teamer, NL only, something like that, I think it is worth the stash, though, because, you know, look at A.J. Pollock in that outfield. You know, he's one injury away, Verdugo, that is, mm-hmm. uh, before getting everyday playing time, which is where we were with Clint Frazier, too, right? Like, we needed another, another injury to take place regarding Giancarlo Stanton, but it happened, and now Frazier's going to play every day for the time being. And I really do believe that if he hits, he'll be in the lineup every single day. But, you know, the Dodgers... They also have Pollock, so we know how injury-prone he's been. If anything happens look what to him, Verdugo can play every day. What's that, Modigo? Look what happened uh, last night, as a matter of fact. And I wanted winning Clint Frazier, so I didn't get any of those bids, but Rymel Tapia mm-hmm. is now a thing because Da left the game, and you know that's his path. He has no more options. So even a guy like that, if you've got him on the cheap, that could turn out to be a really good pickup. And that's exactly what we said about – Garrett Hampson before the season started was that there was Daniel Murphy who's been injury prone and that there was David Dahl who's been injury prone and he leaves with the oblique yesterday. And, you know, we don't really have an update on this, so it's tough. Me personally, I have a home league where I have David Dahl. I picked up Tapia for $4 out of 100 and I'm putting Tapia in my lineup this week just because, you know, based on this oblique injury, I don't know if David Dahl is going to play, but he actually has a history of oblique injuries. He has a history of a bunch of injuries. And, uh, you know, the oblique can go two different ways, Greg, because it can it could really linger for a long time. But then last week on Friday, Saturday, we get Marcelo Zuna was dealing with an oblique and he's back in the lineup right away. Yeah, so absolutely. It can go two different ways. But given the fact that Dahl has a history of these injuries, I, I err towards the side of he's probably going to need an IL stint. So you, you, I did pick up Rymel Tapia in a few places. Yeah, I think Tapia is a great pickup. And I think it's, it makes sense. You're going to get everyday playing time in Colorado. And I think with David Dahl, you know, the only hope was that he didn't come out right away. They stayed in the game for a little bit. Maybe it's not as serious and as significant as some of the injuries that he suffered in the past with that oblique that's kept him out for months and months and months at a time. Her story got hurt last night, too. Yes, he did. Now, he left the game. It was a little bit different. It was like yeah. 11-2 at the time or whatnot. Only five in half with a pitch. I think story will be okay. We'll see. There's that lineup out yet? Because I know they played this afternoon, right? The Rockies? Or they play tonight. They play at night. They play at, at 840, night. so we're not going to have the lineup. There is two afternoon games today, so make sure you set your lineups. Uh, 210 is the first start. 210 is the first start, so we have, we have two games. We have the lineups on those. We could go over those in the second hour, Greg. Uh, but, yeah, just pay attention to David Dahl, Trevor Story. Story actually stayed in to, I believe, run the bases yes. that inning, and then he left the next inning, but you're right that they were getting uh, they were kind of getting blown out. So looks like they took him out as a precaution. And I have a home league. Look, injuries are tough right now. I have a home league where I have Murphy, John Carlos Stanton, David Dahl, Trevor Story. And I only have five bench spots, and it's a 12-team league. So yeah. there's actually some pretty good replacement value available, but I can't drop these guys. It, you're you're, you're in a bind. League, and you're I, in a bind. I, I got Gregory Polanco, too, so uh, it's it's really frustrating. I actually have Story in the lineup still. I think he'll be good to go. We'll see what happens. But I actually did take David Dahl out of the lineup. Yeah, I, I think that makes sense. You know, you, you have no choice ultimately, and I've 
Uh, I'm waiting for news on Dom myself before our lineups lock uh, coming up in an, uh, you know less than two hours here, and, and we'll see ultimately what happens. Hopefully, we'll get some news in the next two less than two hours before lineups do lock in weekly leagues, and you're able to set your lineups efficiently. We're gonna take a break here. We'll come back outside of Clint Frazier and Rymel Tapia. I want to talk to Matt and see where else we spent some money. Where do we go on the pitching staff? Where else uh, are the experts looking? Matt Modica, who is in a million experts leagues, is gonna help us break it down over the next half hour. Stick around more. Fantasy Best Friends Forever content coming your way right after this. DailyRoto.com Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round. We never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com the following ad contains shocking material. Listener discretion is advised. Is someone in your family playing a dangerous game of Russian roulette? Over 43,000 people die a year from drug overdose. 120 people a day. Five people every hour. One person every 12 minutes. 88,000 people die every year from alcohol abuse. Over 240 people a day, 10 an hour, one person every six minutes. Somebody you know may be next. Learn how to help someone you love get away from the drugs, alcohol, and bad influences. With the FMLA, people can take a leave of absence from their job and still keep it. Call now and learn how we can help you. 866-484-9621 866-484-9621 That's 866-484-9621 Game Time Decisions They told me, listen, we're going to this place There's a bridge, uh, there's a lot of crocodiles there, right? And uh, I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I figured there'd be some crocodiles, Cab, right? Like, alright, we'll see a couple I was like, you sure we're going to get to see some crocodiles? They're like, oh yeah, don't worry, you'll see crocodiles <laughs> I'm like, we get there, and there's like freaking like 700 of them, man. I asked somebody, I said, do they ever like kill people? And they're like, oh yeah, all the time. <laughs> Weekdays, 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific, only on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Mike listen off All of right. That would have been bad. I mean, you could jump back in there. Greg Sussman, Matt Modiga, Frankie Stample, hanging out with you on a Monday venture coming up in a little bit. I got this tweet uh, a moment ago. What's up? From real Jimmy Reese, who listens to the program. Okay. You put out the poll today saying, coming up, blah, 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 blah. What do you do about Clint Frazier moving forward? All right. And, you know, I voted, I voted previously. If he hits, he'll play, as I kind of described a little while ago, right? It's all right. Jimmy responded with this. I ride Greg Sussman like Zorro because his old fantasy baseball show had more woman crap on it than Oprah. Garbage about feelings and top three lists, etc. Big fan of mine. <laughs> and then he goes, I wonder if that was the show that you were on, Matt. Um, then he goes, but his fantasy breakdowns, not half bad. Worth a listen. I'm like, oh, 
All right, that's pretty good. Kind of like a backhanded compliment. All right. <laughs> Just prepare for estrogen rants. <laughs> Seems pretty fair. Like he holds you underwater for a couple of seconds and then <laughs> pulls me up, pulls me back down. Yeah, seems pretty accurate. Yeah, and then <laughs> appreciate it, man. All right, well, Jimmy, yeah, at least, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. At least your uh, your fantasy analysis isn't half bad. Not bad. Appreciate that. Not bad. Good stuff. I gotta take it to be honest with you. Wonder what he thinks of my wrestling analysis. <laughs> got better. All right. Matty Moe, we're, we're talking about Modica from The Athletic. You can read his, uh, his information every single week on The Athletic. You can follow him at CTM Baseball. Matt, we hit on Clint Frazier. Where else were your priorities this weekend in Fab? Uh, well, I mean, look, if you needed power, Christian Walker seemed like an uh, obvious candidate. I didn't get him anywhere. Uh, I chose Clint Frazier over him, and he went pretty high, too. He went in the Clint Frazier range. Uh, the power is real. Can he uh, can he make enough contact is the question. So he was, uh, you know, somebody that was, that was definitely uh, heavily sought after. And a guy who was available in a couple of leagues was Ryan Brazier. And again, I went to Clint Frazier route, and Brazier went for you know, like the high, high threes, like 370, 380. And I do get it. And it seems like you know he's been given the last couple of save chances, and Barnes seems to be pitching in the high leverage. But those were two other guys that were you know highly sought after and went for big bucks. Fair enough. Yeah, Ryan Brazier, a player that got a couple of saves this week. Um, obviously, we have. Uh, Matt Barnes, the closer there, clearly Brazier's the next in line in saves plus holds. We kind of read the situation right, Frank, that Brazier and Matt Barnes are two guys you want to own in Boston. Yeah, and I think that Matt Barnes is more talented of the two. I think he has more strikeout ability. He gets a few more swings and misses. But on the season, there's been three save opportunities for the Red Sox. One has gone to Matt Barnes, which was early on in the season against the Seattle Mariners. Uh, a lot of people were watching that game. That was the game where Hunter Strickland got hurt. He gave up the three-run homer to Mitch Moreland. Then Matt Barnes comes in and locks down the save. Uh, but Matt's right about regarding Barnes and Brazier was, you know, yesterday they used Barnes in the seventh and eighth inning in high-leverage situations, uh, needed to keep the lead. And then they used Ryan Brazier in the ninth. Uh, he has the past two save opportunities for the Red Sox and has converted both of those. He has two saves in the past five days. So... It looks like this might be another one of these matchup-based bullpens in baseball. A lot of teams going this way, Greg, where they'll use one guy in the high-leverage situations. Uh, if you're Josh Hader, you'll be used in all situations. It doesn't matter. They'll let him go three innings pitched if they need to. Uh, but it looks like Matt Barnes is a guy high-leverage situations. If it just so happens that that comes in the ninth inning, then maybe he'll get a save opportunity there. Um, I think it's really kind of hard to decipher, but if I had to... Just kind of break it down. I think what they've done so far is a pretty good indication. Maybe Brazier gets like two-thirds of the save opportunities and, and Matt Barnes gets one-third. Uh, but I do think it's hard to say. I think Barnes is more so in that, that set-up, high-leverage situation role as of right now. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Absolutely. Uh, I think that's the case with Barnes. You're right. The more talented reliever, the, the reliever they're going to rely on uh, the most in Boston. Frank, you, you heard Matt mention Christian Walker. It's a guy that you've been on very steadily since the beginning of the season. Uh, did you grab him anywhere this week? I unfortunately was not able to grab him in a few of my home leagues. He actually got picked up last week in the middle of the week before the injury to Jake Lamb. Uh, so maybe I should have been a little bit more aggressive because I liked the batted ball data uh, so far in the year. Small sample size again, but he has something like a 
77% hard hit rate. So when he's making contact, it's really good contact. And he's now started six games in a row uh, with the injury to Jake Lamb. So I think he's going to play every single day. And I said this last week about him. Reminds me a little bit of Jesus Aguilar from last year. Uh, Hits the ball hard, just needed an opportunity to play every single day. Uh, And he's going to get that. The past two seasons in the minor leagues, he's had a 24% strikeout rate and a 17% strikeout rate. So... Personally, I feel like he will be able to make enough contact, and if he stays in the lineup, um, he could be a good source of power. Uh, Very surprisingly, Greg, a Diamondbacks lineup who I kind of poo-pooed at the beginning of the season. I said, this is a terrible lineup, and they've been great. Yeah. They've been a great lineup. I mean, uh, (laughs) starting starting with, you know, the renaissance, uh, the resurgence of Adam Jones. Sure. It's been great. Yeah. He's got, I think he's got a little chip on his shoulder, something to prove here. Maybe he didn't get signed for a while, trying to prove that he had something left in the tank, and he's doing it with Arizona, absolutely. Yeah, and I like Walker, but do I like almost $400 worth of fab Christian Walker? Probably not. If he turns into uh, Jesus Aguilar, this year's version of Jesus Aguilar, well worth it. Um, but obviously there are still a few obstacles for the rest of the season. Uh, Matt, what do you think about overall that bid number, you know, the uh, between 350 and 400 for Christian Walker? Seems a little bit high. You know, I mean, look, I thought that was high. I would have been involved in that, say, 15 to, like, 18% range. And, look, in some certain teams, if you have that need and you need that player, I could see going to the 20 to maybe even 25%. But for that type of player, I would have capped out probably around that 15 to 18% range. Talking about Modica from CTM Baseball, or at CTM Baseball, he's from The Athletic. What are you laughing at me for? I'm laughing with you. What are you talking about? I, I appreciate that. Um, we, you, you added Ryan Valtafio. We mentioned that uh, when it came to David Dahl, we're still waiting for more information there. Uh, ultimately, ultimately um, we'll see. We'll see when it comes to Dahl. We'll see when it comes uh, for Trevor's story. I mentioned Christian Walker. Here are some of the other ads that I know we talked about, Frank, with Florio uh, and guys we want to potentially pick up this week. Jason Hayward, your boy Alex Gordon. We've gotten a lot of hits on Dansby Swanson as well. Mm-hmm. Matt, you, you say, mm-hmm. is Dansby Swanson the one you I actually mm-hmm? like Swanson. Yeah, I how come? I picked him up in a league last week, uh, the week prior uh, in a 15-teamer and in a 12 where uh, I was going after Colton Wong and he was my conditional bid. And I think, look, it's early. He's making so it seems like he's making some adjustments. Uh, Freddie Freeman was praising him the other day after the game. That's always a good sign. So, you know, for a middle infielder, I'm down with Dansby. Yeah, and he has the prospect pedigree, but was more so known for his glove, I think, when he first was coming up. And, you know, he had to figure things out at the plate. But last year, 14 home runs, 10 stolen bases, and 136 games. Not bad. Not bad from a middle infielder, but. Uh, 238 batting average, so you want to see him cut down the strikeouts, and so far this season he has, you know, around 23% strikeout rate last year. Uh, it's down to 17% uh, right around there this season so far. Small sample size, only 34 plate appearances, but that's what you want to see. Can he cut down the strikeouts? Can he make solid contact? Uh, he's hitting a lot of line drives already this year. He's hitting the ball decently hard. He already has three home runs. It's a really good Braves lineup. It's a deep Braves lineup as well, so... There's some opportunity here. There's, I think there is some upside. I'm not sure if I'm jumping in yet on 12-team leagues, Greg, but I think anything deeper than that, if you get him as your middle infielder, it's not bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind it. It's interesting because Swanson's one of the guys I've gotten the most questions about this week and if I buy it and if it's real and if I should grab him. And I've been a little People more. love the prospect pedigree. They do. Number one overall me, me pick. Me too. Me too. And I, I get I think it. People, he was like a number one overall pick because of who he is 
all around, right. what he brings to the table defensively as well. Certainly. I don't know if he was ever going to be this big fantasy prospect that a lot of people thought just because he was the number one overall pick in, in the MLB draft or wherever it was. Um, I think, again, he can make adjustments and get better. Like maybe he's a you know 18 to 20 home run guy this year with a, you know, a batting average that doesn't hurt you. But again, that's not like the sexiest fantasy profile. It's just, it's fine for a middle infielder in a deeper league. Yeah, I... I, 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 I in one second? Yeah. Just real quick. Yeah. The, the, like you just said, Greg, so people ask you, is this for real? Yes. I think we're at a point in fantasy where you can't wait to know for sure if it's for real. You have to take that educated assumption that maybe this is real, and if you have that spot, you know, you make that ad drop there. Are you more likely, Matt, to grab a guy like Dansby Swanson rather than a guy like a Alex Gordon and Jason Hayward just because of the age, because of the chance that, hey, he could break out, even if Gordon and Hayward may be a bit safer? Uh, possibly. And, you know, the position, uh, you know, the, the middle infield might help. The middle infield is very deep, though, this year as well. Uh, yeah, maybe age and pedigree, you know, he still hasn't fully developed and, you know, maybe he's his curve is going up. I, I mean, look, Haywood seems like he's doing some nice things early. I've never been a Haywood guy, but early on in the data that we have, it seems like Jason Haywood is actually doing good things. And Alex Gordon is batting third in that lineup with, you know, two guys in front of him and Soler behind him. So I think he's just going to fall into some good things. Okay, so, so there you go, some of the uh, outfield prospects uh, with Kansas City. Let's turn our attention to pitching. Who was the number one pitcher, Matt, that you got or wanted to get this week? Uh, the number one guy I went after in my ultimate league was Merrill Kelly. Uh, you know, he's got the rotation spot. They paid him money. Uh, the ballpark's become a better place to pitch in. He had a hell of a performance yesterday. So I, I needed a stabling force. <clears throat> and what was available, I I thought he was the uh, right move in uh, that situation. I believe I cut Adam Wainwright for him. I had Wainwright as like a, a, a last round pick, and I watched the Monday start, and I was, you know, kicking myself for starting him. And then you know, yesterday he struck out nine, but I said, you know what, let's cut our losses and move on. Yeah, I like the Merrill Kelly call as well. I actually own him in the main event. Unfortunately, didn't have him in my lineup last week because I just kind of wanted to see him prove it to me before I got him in there. But in the two starts that he had, look, quality start, his first start of the season, kind of wore down, uh, gave up that two or three run home run to Fernando Tatis in his first start. And then yesterday, tough luck loss, but phenomenal start. Again, eight innings, mm -hmm. one run, nine strikeouts. He did only have nine swinging strikes, but he has an interesting pitching arsenal. He throws... Uh, four different pitches, four-seam cutter, a curveball, and a changeup. So he's got a, an in interesting mix of pitches, uh, and it has been proven, at least over the past year of data that we have, that uh, the humidor actually does help Diamondbacks starting pitchers. So uh, I, don't, I don't mind that one. He wasn't available in any of my 15-team leagues, but if he's out there in 12-teamers... I would, uh, I would definitely be interested in him. You were a guy that was high on him coming into the year, Frank. As you said, he, he grabbed him in your main event team just to see if it's the Miles Mikolas effect. And if it, if it will work, and through two starts, it's, it's been okay. It's been okay. I think Mikolas uh, worked taking a shot on. Was, would you have taken Mikolas over a guy like Max Fried, who I know people are very high on this week? You mean Merrill Kelly? Sorry, Merrill Kelly over Max Fried, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would take Merrill Kelly over okay. Max Fried. And, and I like Fried. What he did in his uh, his first start against the Cubs, I mean, he was he had a no hitter going into the sixth inning. I know he allowed one hit. He had five strikeouts, 
really, really loved the command that he showed in that start. He didn't walk a single guy. That's the key for Max Freed. Uh, but there's a lot of moving parts with that Braves rotation. I know Mike fulton is going to come back as well. Uh, so I'm intrigued by the upside, but I think Merrill Kelly might have a little bit more. Uh, I don't know if it was... I don't know if it was fluky, basically, regarding Max Freed. I want, I want to see a couple of starts of the good command. But as Matt said, yep. you can't saying. necessarily wait for it to know if it's mm-hmm. real or not. Yeah, I would take Merrill Kelly, though. I would choose to over Max Freed. Do you, I do love Max Freed's upside, though. So do I. Uh, yeah. So do I. I, I. I think he offers, you know, the problem is, just like Frank said, though, Frank made the correct point there. The problem is that rotation right now has so many moving parts, and where available, I was scooping up Michael Soroka. I know that shoulder and stuff, but he was a guy I liked last year. And if he's going to be back at the end of the month, I want to be involved with him. So that's my one downside on Freed is there's just so many moving parts, and Frank nailed it perfectly. Absolutely, Frank, man. You know, Soroka and Toussaint and, and, so, and Wright, there's so many guys there that if Max Free or really anybody else in that rotation falters even a little bit. It's a next man up mentality, yeah. really, because they just have so much. They have a lot of depth right now. Even, you know, Bryce Wilson, everyone was excited about exactly, him. Exactly, exactly. I, I spent fab on him early on in the season, then he ended him. up dropping because yeah. he gets demoted. So that's basically it, right? Like, if you don't perform, it's kind of a sink or swim right now for the Atlanta Braves. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Matt, I, I texted Frank and Florio this this morning. Nobody responded to me. It's pretty natural. Um, <laughs> sorry. Who is Trent Thornton? Trent Thornton, the Blue Jays pitcher, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, look, he's turning some heads. Look, can you believe the Blue Jays were they were either first or second in Team ERA entering Saturday? And there's a correlation here, though. That's why I want people to say, I, I, in my article that came out yesterday over at the Athletic, the two starts I do every Sunday. You know, there's a correlation here with like you know you see the Pirates, the Reds, the Blue Jays, and the Tigers. These are like all in the top five with. Tampa Bay, either like first or second. But the thing with these teams is they're all playing themselves, and all of them have, you know, their bottom five in team slugging percentage and stuff. So you have to take everything with a little bit of grain and salt. You want to see players, pitchers dominating uh, bad offenses, but who is the competition? You know, so it's kind of like it's, it's, I, I call it a yellow light. Proceed with caution. You know, don't make a full stop. Don't go straight ahead. But proceed with caution. Like, you, you're seeing some good things here, but are these things for real? Like, I love Aaron Sanchez, but, you know, I'm still, you know, treading lightly going forward. Frank gave me advice this week. I wanted to ask you also, would you – I own Aaron Sanchez. Would you drop him for Frankie Montas? I wouldn't, but I I really like you know I'm a Aaron Sanchez guy, but I think Montez has made some nice improvements and is a guy that you know at worst in a 12 team is a streaming option, especially yeah. at home, okay. and he may become a you know a regular. He's made improvements to his game. His arsenal is changing, so you know that's things you got to look at. It's like Matt Shoemaker. If Matt Shoemaker is going to throw the splitter 40 percent of the time or more, Matt Shoemaker, I want to be involved with. If Matt Shoemaker is not going to do that, he's useless to me. Yeah, and we're about to find out regarding the Toronto Blue Jays uh, because Matt's right. They they haven't faced the toughest competition yet, Greg, uh, but they faced Boston regard, uh, specifically with Matt Shoemaker and Aaron Sanchez. They both faced Boston this week in Boston. So if I can, I'm trying to bench those guys uh, just because mm-hmm. it's in Boston. And then they faced Tampa Bay, which 
isn't as tough, but Tampa Bay is just a scrappy offense. It's not They're not a layup, a gimme like they have been in years past. So uh, it's about to get a little bit more interesting for Toronto Blue Jays starting pitchers. Uh, regarding Trent Thornton, uh, he's been getting the swinging strikes, but I know something that Matt Modica likes to look at a lot is swinging strikes, your first pitch strike percentage, and your chase rate. And mm-hmm. Thornton, he has the swinging strikes, but his chase rate is below league average, uh, hasn't been great so far, and his first pitch strike percentage is only 50%, which is not what you want to see. So he's had 15 strikeouts in 10 and two-thirds innings pitched. Those have come against the Indians, who have the highest strikeout rate in baseball right now, <laughs> and the Detroit Tigers. So I'm with, I'm with Matt regarding Trent Thornton. It's a proceed with caution. I'm not picking him up in anything shallower than a 15-team league. When we come back, Matt's going to help us set our lineup. There's a little disagreement between the BFFs this morning. Uh, we're going to try to see if we can work through those disagreements when we come back. It's Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The Fantasy Sports Network is hitting you from all angles with the best fantasy sports and betting analysis. You can catch the latest programming on so many platforms, there's no way you'll miss out on any of the award-winning programming we pump out every single day. You can listen through the FNTSY radio app, iHeartRadio, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher. Download our podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Audioboom, and you can watch select programming on the FNTSY YouTube channel. The Fantasy Sports Network, your only source for fantasy sports and wagering anytime and anywhere. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy Sports Today. The issue for Westbrook is that he can't change his game, right? He can't become an outside shooter in a game, whereas a Harden can get to the free throw line 20 times or take 15 three-pointers and can dominate a game that way. Westbrook can't. Paul George can't. I think you're right to look at the playoffs this year. Can they address those changes? Can they make the actual conscious decisions on where the offensive flow happens in late-game situations? Saturdays, 8 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. Can't get enough fantasy football? Roto Experts has launched their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, which includes the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty season-long betting, best ball, and NFL draft content every day of the year to give you an edge regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. Save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 3 365 Fantasy Football Package, only at rotoexperts.com. Join the experts live on the air every day by calling in at 844-843-6879 to join the Fantasy Sports Network. We're back with you here on the Fantasy Best Friends Forever on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. That's Frank Stample. We're joined as we are each and every Monday uh, by Matt Modica of The Athletic. <laughs> you can follow him at CTM Baseball. And many Mo, I mentioned before the break that we had a bit of a disagreement this morning. Mm-hmm. And admittedly, you know me very well. I, I overreact to things. We react very quickly <laughs> to things. Admittedly, I, I don't have much patience for when my fantasy players perform poorly. Case in point, your boy, Zach Wheeler, 
hasn't been great his first two starts. In a league, Frank, Mike, and I picked up a, a new toy, if you will, in Spencer Turnbull. Can we bench Zach Wheeler this week against the Bravos and start Spencer Turnbull against the, Indians. the Cleveland Indians? Can we do this? Uh, no, you cannot. Uh, right. First off, look, it's two starts. He's been terrible. Is, is that, there's nothing to be kind here about what Zach Wheeler has done. It's, I don't know why he was in the game after the second inning, but Mickey Calloway better get, you know, better get corrected pretty quick. Because that's just unacceptable. But here was the thing. First, the Nationals in his career, he has a 450 ERA entering yesterday, which obviously went up. And against the rest of the uh, NL East, he has a 276. So I don't know if it's just the thing with the Nationals that he, that he never, you know, can get it right. And he obviously didn't have his stuff yesterday. But uh, no, I'm not going to go with Spencer Toneville. Uh Who did he play, face? Toronto and what, the Yankees? when they were just pretty much flailing. I'm going to go back to Wheeler. There's a reason why you either drafted or paid for Wheeler, and I'm going to stick with uh, my studs, you know, because say you bench Wheeler, and then Wheeler goes out and gives you seven innings. He's from Atlanta as well. So it's another reason why I'd probably start him. You know, has a great game, and the Turnbull gets lit up. You're going to be kicking yourself. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I just... I'm just frustrated because Zach Wheeler, like, I get, like, the first start against the Nationals, I said, hey, it's all home runs, just bad pitches, but he pitched pretty well other than the home runs he allowed. I know it's a big other. That last time out, seven walks is just unacceptable. Like, that's what really scared me off uh, more than anything else. Yeah, it was terrible. Look, he did not have it. He did not have his fastball command. Uh, you know, he's heavy with the fastball. You know, he's incorporated the splitter and stuff as he got the slider. But not having the fastball command was a major, you know, and he kept going to the fastball. Like, he didn't even try anything else. So I, I was just shocked that they let him come back after that second inning. And, you know, I'm, I have, I was happy when they signed Callaway as the manager. There may be something different. But, you know, after a year and uh, a week or two, he does need to, you know, improve his managerial skills. Yeah, so my take on this was, basically, if it was any starting pitcher, look, outside of Scherzer, maybe your first-round starting pitchers, whatever. If I see a pitcher have seven walks, Modica, I'm going to be a little bit hesitant to keep him back in my lineup for this next start. And look, oh. I like Zach Wheeler a lot. I took him in the fourth round of the main event, so I have high expectations for him, but... I kind of want to see a prove-it start now out of him because maybe he's pitching through something or I got to see the command turn around because if you have seven walks in a start, Modica, I mean, that's just a whip killer. And then, you know, everything else that he did yesterday, he killed you all over the place. It wasn't just whip. I agree. It was ERA and I, whip. I, I agree with the, what you're saying with the walks. You, you never want to see it. I know Michael Walker struck out eight, walked seven on Saturday. And look at Trevor Bauer. He allowed one hit. Oh, no, actually no hits. He allowed on yep. uh, whatever, Thursday or Friday night. No, it was uh, actually Thursday night versus Toronto. He walked six and struck out eight. So, I mean, look, the thing with Wheeler is, there's, a, like I said, there's a reason you have this guy. And I have a hard time, say, my number ones, my number twos, you know, benching them. Because why eat the bad starts and then miss out on the good starts? 
I hear you. I, I hear you. It's a fair point. It's a completely fair at point. At Atlanta, is it going to be a good start? And that's, you know, that's sure, what we're trying so. to figure out. Look, where you were drafting Zach Wheeler, or at least where I was drafting Zach Wheeler, he's one of these pitchers where you expect him to be in your lineup every single week. He's like one mm-hmm. of those, you know, mm-hmm. top two or three you know, starters in your rotation yep. that you start regardless of matchup. And that's what I expected coming into the year, but... And that's, know, what, and that's what based on what I saw yesterday, seven walks, as bad as he was. I hear what Modique is saying about the Nationals, but at Atlanta, it's not really a great park to pitch in. At, you know, the Braves are a tough, uh, tough lineup as well. So as of now, in my main event, I have him on the bench, and I picked up Spencer Turnbull, and I know he's faced some not great competition. It was the Tigers and the Royals, but he also faces the Indians. He's coming off a start where he had 10 strikeouts against the Royals, a team that typically hasn't struck out a lot this year, Greg. And he's going up against the Indians, the team that has struck out the most in baseball. And, you know, they're like bottom five or six in the, in the league in runs to start the year. Their team OPS is crap. So I just think it's a good spot for Spencer Turnbull. And then I also have Montas going in there against Baltimore. To me, that's a good matchup. Okay, right there, though. Yeah, and I have Merrill Kelly against San Diego, who he's also pitched pretty well against. So I don't know if it's the right decision or not. To me, personally, I want to take a wait and see. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave uh, Zach Wheeler on my bench. And if he and if he pitches well, at least I know that I could trust him his next time timeout. I know what Modique is saying. You leave him in there for the bad ones. You want to get the good ones, but I don't know for sure right now that the way that he's pitching that his next one is going to be a good one, Modica. So I'm, I'm just kind of worried. Why does it have? To, why does it have to be Wheeler versus Turnbull? I get you want to start Turnbull versus the Indians. I'm all for that. So you start Turnbull, but Frankie Montas at Camden. Does you have to start him? Is he a must start? In that game, I just don't I, think I don't the Orioles that. lineup is very good, Modica. I understand that. Trey Mancini is. Mean, it's true. I, I think Zach Wheeler is a better pitcher, and unless you really think that, I could, I see the argument for Turnbull, but I would put it to okay. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start Turnbull. Uh, Kelly's facing who? The Padres at Petco, I believe, later in the week. Top of my head. It's it's so in uh, Arizona. Uh, so I so I want to start him. But I can I can sit Montas. I don't think Montas has this track record where he's a must start at Camden over Zach Wheeler. That would be my argument. I, I agree. There's a slam. It's not a slam dunk by any means, right? Like this is and, why we and 100. I'm admitting that myself. So one of the other names, though, Matt, that we discussed was Chris Paddock, and you mentioned you mentioned Paddock, and this is kind of the happy medium we got to, right, Frank? Like. Getting to the median with Paddock, where I will start Turnbull because you wanted to, we want to, I should say. I'm, I'm on your side of this one. Starting Wheeler because Florio wants to, and kind of benching Paddock was like that fair, I think, happy medium in this. One other name in another league, we, you mentioned before, you're super high on Aaron Sanchez. Are you starting Aaron Sanchez this week in Boston? I would, I would try to avoid. Yeah. <laughs> I look, I, I'm a Aaron Sanchez. I've said repeatedly, I'll die on this hill. But there's no reason to walk into the Fenway and throw him out there. I mean, you should have a better option. Or, you know, he's not getting a two-start, so maybe you have a really good, you know, um, high strikeout reliever that you could use for this week. Modica, how about regarding Chris Paddock? We brought him up a little bit. Uh, just talking a little bit, pitching planning for this week. He's at Arizona. Uh, mentioned that it's a little bit better of a location to pitch in now with the humidor there uh, in Chase Field. But Arizona, top five in, in baseball, in both run scored and team OPS to start the year. They are, they are red hot, and as good as Paddock was in his first start, oddly enough, struggled with command in his second start, had four walks, which we're not used to seeing from Paddock, at least in his minor league career and, and what we've seen in spring training. 
Are you leaving him in your lineup this week? Yes, I'm leaving Paddock in the lineup. I did watch the Saturday start, as I mentioned. It was him versus Walker. And you know, Walker was striking somebody out or walking them in that game as well. But, you know, the uh, the Cardinals did a hell of a job on fouling off two-strike pitchers. And he was, you know, he was just missing to the outside and high. He was going with the change-up fastball. You know, going into uh, Bush Stadium as a rookie, that was his first road start. So he didn't give up any runs, so you didn't get hurt that way. You got, I think it was four walks, four strikeouts. Look, and as you say, Arizona's been hot. The thing that stops a, a hot team is a hot pitcher or a good pitcher. So uh, I'm going to go with Paddock in the humidor in Arizona. All right, so there you go with, with Chris Paddock um, as match choice. Do we have any other decisions we're going to ask Matt about here? I think we had. I just want to make sure I, I get all my questions, but I have Matt, you know, all to myself. Basically. I, I think we had Trevor Richards. We were deciding. Uh, oh yeah, Trevor against, Richards uh, against Cincinnati, but the Reds lineup has been god awful too. We we were deciding between Trevor Richards and Michael Pineda. What do you think about that, Matt? Michael Pineda uh, against the Tigers. Facing? The Tigers. Oh, that's that's ta- Pineda's tasty. The only concern with uh, Pineda is. Is he going to get the full five? Exactly. In? Exactly. Are you going to get that win? And look, I don't blame the Twins right now. I think they're doing it right. They're really uh, managing him with care, coming off that thing. So I know Mark uh, Martin, excuse me, Martin Perez, is supposed to get the scheduled start on Sunday, and he's kind of been the bridge guy with yep with uh, Michael Pineda at least earlier on. He was so if Perez is going to get the start, maybe they stretch. Pineda out a little more, that would be my concern. And I think Richards will get you strikeouts as well. So I might go Richards and, you know, see if he can go the 6-7. I know the Reds, as you mentioned, are slumping and stuff. You know, just hope Derek Dietrich doesn't hit a home run and he stands there and stays. <laughs> yeah, regarding Derek Dietrich yesterday, the uh, oh, near brawl, but the bench is clearing between the Pirates and Reds. I had no problem at all with Chris Archer throwing at him. Like, Me neither. No, no problem at all. Derek Dietrich. Who is Derek Dietrich? Please tell me. Besides a guy who, you know, had a walk-off hit once and, like, ripped off his jersey and he's all jacked and stuff, this guy wasn't even good enough to be a full-time player for the Miami Marlins last year. And he, now he's on the Cincinnati Reds as a, uh, as a backup player. He's been playing a little bit more recently. Uh, he hits the home run yesterday, staring at it for five seconds. Like, dude, who are you? Derek Dietrich off of Chris Archer? <laughs> like, come on, dude. Like, oh, man. That, I'm not going to say what I'm actually thinking regarding it, but I'll just leave it there. I have no problem with Chris Archer throwing at him. But no, that was the thing. I didn't even care if he did a bat flip or he stared. I mean, he was just like, that was ridiculous. Ridiculous! To the point where it became so obnoxious that I don't think Archer had a choice. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, Chris Archer, I'm very satisfied thus far, Frank. Like, just watching Chris Archer pitch looks good. Yeah, he does. And I wish I got. I wish I ended up with more shares. I only have one, as I told you. Uh, but I'm happy you ended up with Chris Archer. Thanks, man. Greggy. Uh, Modica, one more thing here I wanted to ask you about regarding uh, some fab that we had over the weekend. Uh, and look, we're constantly trying to figure out bullpens. But yesterday, the ghost of Hector Neris was back <laughs> and picked up a save for the Philadelphia Phillies. I know Robertson and Sir Anthony Dominguez have not been good to this point, and Robertson pitched yesterday in a setup role, and Hector Neris pitches the ninth. What's your takeaway of the Phillies right now? Is it a complete avoid? Uh, did you try and pick up any uh, you know, smaller bid shares of, uh, of Hector Neris yesterday? 
Uh, For the Phillies thing, if I own uh, Robertson or Dominguez, I'm going to hold right now. I don't know, you know, I I really don't know what to do with Gabe Kapler because it could be anything. But, I mean, that was like a a Jeopardy question. Who will get the first save for the Philadelphia Phillies in 2019? And, you know, what is Hector Neris want to be the answer? Which I think a lot of people were shocked, even myself. But, look, nobody's really gotten the job done, as as you said. So I can't blame him for using Neris, but I saw some crazy bids on him. I could see, you know, you want to put 10% down or less and just take a, take a speculative. But there were people 25 to 35% or more on Hector wow. Neres, and he might be a guy in two weeks you, you drop. It might be a guy in two weeks that's in the minors, right? That's we, We've seen yeah. that with Hector Neres before last year when I, when I was on him. And the reason I wasn't super in on Neres, like, I understand his role now. These I roles got, change. I got Neres in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational for $17, Greg. Out of 1000 yeah, That's great. Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, you're you're, you're going to go through a Out bunch of, a thousand, of guys that's great. this year where you'll, you'll take a few stabs. I think last week I picked up uh, David Hernandez for like seven, eight bucks out of a thousand. So I'm going to take a few of these stabs throughout the year, these little small bids. But, you know, for people who want to go 10%, I ended up getting him at $17. Like, sure, I'll take a shot there and see if something sticks here with the Philadelphia Phillies. I agree. I, I completely agree. How much um, did he go for in GST? I'm going to look that up. Okay. You, you, you do that. Why well, you talk about it? Yeah, yeah, no, no problem. No, listen, I, I completely agree. At that amount, you take a shot. He went I, for nineteen bucks there too. Like that's fine. I don't actually expect. I don't actually expect anything. But yeah, that's fine. That's fine. Uh, let me see him, Matt. What do you do with the Rockies players when lineups lock at two ten? I just don't understand why lineups lock at two ten. If, if there's <laughs> only two games at two ten, I never understood that. It just never made sense to me. I, I think you can't start David Dahl. I don't look. I have Dahl in quite a few places. He's out of my lineup right now. I mean, I have the option later on, hypothetically, just saying we heard the news. He's fine. He's going to miss a day. I would probably still keep him out for the first part of the week if I had that option because I I got to think he's going to miss some time. And I would start if I if I'm a Garrett Hampson owner. Yep, I'm going to start him because they have the three games at home, and you know, hopefully he gets in there and uh, ahead of Pat Valleca. You know, you, you never know with the Rockies, but you know, I would have to play Hampson. I'd put in Tapia. I think you know, I think they have to play him right now if if Dahl is out. So th- those would be my moves. Yeah, I'm probably putting I'm putting everybody that he just named in, including Aaron Hampson. Like this is it. This is this is the, the shot we've been waiting for for Hampson. Hampson hasn't been great. I believe he snapped an over twenty skid last night, picking up a hit. And I think he's better than that, based on what he showed in the minor leagues. Good bat to ball skills, high batting average in the minors, has some speed as well. Uh, and now with David Dahl out of the lineup, maybe they move Garrett Hampson up and they you know they get creative here because they got a lot of guys banged up. So let's see what happens here. Me personally, I have David Dahl uh, on my bench as well. Well, we only got you for about another minute. Have you had any really tough calls regarding players to drop as of now? Because last night, you know, I was looking at Tyler White, and I didn't really want to drop him in the main event, but the guy's just not playing. He's basically a platoon player. So have you had any of those tough calls yet? Yeah, me and uh, Vicaro had that same call with uh, Tyler White. We have a team each, and I make the you know the final call on uh, the team that's under my name, the one under his. We want to keep in uh, Tyler White 
who I wanted Kyle Tucker instead, but that's a different story. <laughs> but I think right now you have to maybe hold them unless like unless you were able to get somebody else. If you're able to win a bid on a Tapia, on a Frazier, you know, even say uh, a Hayward if you needed if you needed an outfielder, or a Swanson if you needed a middle infielder. How about Wilmer Defoe? So, would you have done that? Who? How about Wilmer Defoe? Would you have done that? Uh, I think I, if if I didn't need that middle infield spot, I probably would have held on for Tyler White a little longer. Sorry, you know, buddy. It's... <laughs> Sorry, but you know, maybe I'm wrong. Hey, of course, maybe you're wrong. I never really liked Tyler White. You love like, Tyler White. It's, it's hard to see like where he's fitting in. He's, he's only playing against left-handed pitch. He's he's barely playing. He hasn't played three games in a row. So I ended up dropping White for Wilmer Defoe in the main event, and it's just hey, exposure to the Nationals lineup. I know Defoe's gonna play every day. All right, we're taking, we're taking a break here. Eventually, we'll be up, and we say goodbye to Matt Modica. We appreciate the time. Matt, follow him at CTM Baseball and Reading on The Athletic. We'll see you next week, Matt. Oh, guys, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Venture is up next. We'll break down setting your lineups when we come back.